it wasn't something that happened all overnight for me. It was, uh, it still is this really long process and I'm still constantly looking for ways to be more effective as an advocate for veganism. And that has gone from protesting to leafleting to farmed animal rescue. I've tried everything and I've I'm finally getting into my zone of what I feel is the most meaningful. Hi there, veggie mates. You just heard from this week's special guest, Tony Okamoto from plantbasedonabudget.com. I'm your host, Matthew Davey, and this is the Veg Talk Podcast. If you're new to the show, we are dedicated to interviewing the most fantastic minds, inspiring leaders, and sharing powerful stories from individuals who are leading the vegan and plant-based movement from around the globe. So welcome to those who are new around here. I hope you enjoy today's show and thank you for taking the time to tune in. I really do appreciate it. The weeks continue to fly by. I often have to pinch myself because sometimes it's hard to believe what Anna and I have done over the past 12 months. Leaving our home in Boston to hit the road in a van and interview inspiring plant-based leaders, travel the world and create was a daunting path to choose. To step away from the life we had built together from extremely humble beginnings almost six years ago wasn't easy. However, it's been the most fulfilling experience of our lives to date. We have our incredible guests and yourself, our loyal listeners to thank. Your messages of support over the last year have meant so much. They've been truly invaluable. I hope we're providing a platform that provokes more meaningful conversation and thoughtful actions in your life because that's certainly the case for us. This chapter of van travel is coming to an end. So we're in the process of relocating to Portland, Oregon. And despite there being some sadness that we can't continue to live this way, Anna and I feel that to continue to prioritize this show in both English and Spanish, we need a base. We want to continue this work for ourselves, you, and people who are looking to find their own stories reflected by others leading a plant-based life in hope that we can help them shift to a diet predominantly made up of plants. If you have enjoyed an episode or two and would like to help out, please head over to the Apple Podcasts application, also known as iTunes, and leave us a short review and a five-star rating. It takes about two minutes and it's insanely helpful and much appreciated. So that's definitely enough about us and the show. So let's now shift our focus to the amazing Tony Okamoto from plantbasedonabudget.com. Tony is a business owner, author, podcast host, extremely nice human being, and one of the most helpful resources in the world of plant-based food. Today, we're chatting with her about how running track at a young age started to change her relationship with food what it's like living in a Japanese-Mexican household, also the relationship between culture and food, the importance of meal planning for your budget, and much more. We really enjoyed hanging out with Tony and her business partner, Michelle Kane, who you'll be hearing from next week. Let's get into it. I'll wrap things up with you all on the other side. Beautiful. We're rolling. We're here today. We're in Sacramento. We've moved a little bit east from the Bay Area, and we're here today with Tony Okamoto. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tony. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to jump in. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm really excited. I mean, 
with you guys, you and Michelle, we're recording both episodes today. I feel like you guys are both like the vegan media queens. Oh gosh, thank you. Seriously, like <laughs> the the amount of content you put out that is incredibly helpful uh, for people either transitioning, people that are already plant based. Um, it's quite amazing the the work you've you've done. So. I mean, right off the bat, thanks for all the time and effort you've you've put into that. Because yeah, the the amount of people you've helped along the way just must be must be like astronomical numbers. Thank you. That's very kind of you. I am so grateful to have Michelle as a friend because she constantly inspires me. She has such a an amazing worth work ethic, and so to use our time and our friendship to create is is really meaningful to me. Yeah, you guys have got an amazing connection. So glad you guys linked up. I'm sure we'll get to that at some point <laughs> in the conversation. But yeah, very, very stoked that you guys were able to link up. I think to begin with, I'd love to hear just a little bit about your background, where you grew up, um, you know, family background. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll ease into how you became a vegan. Alrighty. Well, I'm here. I'm from here, Sacramento, uh, greatest city in the world. I know that's very controversial, but I did read from the New York Times that it is the fastest growing city in the country right now. It is booming, and I can't say enough great things about Sacramento, especially the food prices. The food prices are great being here in the Central Valley where produce is grown, so that's really good. Uh, I grew up in a neighborhood not too far from where Michelle lives uh, in a, an area called South Sacramento. And I think the biggest reason I love Sacramento is because my family is from here. I am so close with them. They are wonderful, dedicated, warm people. And I also think that that's where my love of food came from. We share meals together. It's a big part of our culture and it's a big part of how we share our love for each other. So that is also where I, I grew my own passion for food. Um, let's see my childhood. I, my dad was in the military active duty and I lived with my grandparents in the meantime. They were both retired. So I was super spoiled with their time. And I was an only child for nine years. My brother didn't come around for nine years. So for nine years, I was just a spoiled little brat. (laughs) They, they let me do whatever I wanted. And my cousins, they're like, oh yeah, you were just a terror. Uh, so I'm glad I grew out of that. And I I guess I didn't get into vegetarianism until I was in high school. I was running track and I was not doing so well. There was a Taco Bell located directly across the street from my high school. And I ate the same thing every day with my friends, came to track practice and didn't make the connection that what I put in my body was how I was going to feel. And it wasn't until my coach suggested that maybe I shouldn't eat fast food all the time. And uh, and in fact, I should cut out red meat. That's when it all, that was the genesis of my path to vegetarianism. I cut out red meat for about two years. And then when I left my family's house, I became a vegetarian, but kind of a bad vegetarian where I didn't care about chicken broth and I would take the pizza take the pepperoni off my pizza and just slowly progressed from there and it wasn't until I was in 
college, community college here in Sacramento, uh, that I, I joined the veg club and learned about veganism and learned about animal ethics and got really inspired by my classmates, all of whom were in a similar position as me. They didn't have a lot of money. They were from very diverse backgrounds that were culturally rooted in their foods. They're rooted in their cultural foods. And and I felt like with their support, I could be vegan. So that's how it all happened for me. Beautiful stuff. I think there's a little bit to unpack there. So like culturally speaking, I know that you're, you're a mix of Mexican and Japanese cult- cultures, right? Mm-hmm. What did you, when you were growing up, what was the predominant culture? What was, um, what were the foods that your grandparents, you know, got you used to? Because I suppose when we are young, when we're growing up, that's when we start to develop the foods that we like and our palate. Yeah. Um, so what was that like living with your grandparents? And um, yeah, what was the typical kind of meal? Very random. So we always had steamed white rice and tofu in the house for my grandpa. My grandpa's full Japanese. And my grandma had, she had always beans, fresh homemade tortillas. And so just totally different foods to put together. And as I mentioned, they were retired. My grandpa had a huge garden of one acre where he had a tractor and planted rows and rows of produce. So I grew up with fresh produce. And that is really special. I grew up in a primarily Mexican-American neighborhood. Many people were first generation, still establishing themselves in the United States. And um, (laughs) there's a lot to say about culture and food. and, And there's a lot of misconceptions about um about we'll we'll just talk about my family for example and veganism uh when I told my family I was going to be vegan they were like what what does that even mean that like that word doesn't even exist in our language Uh, now it does but uh at the time they were like I have no idea I've never heard of this thing before and it it was a big culture shock for them they wanted to share their food with me as an expression of love and when I rejected it it was offensive and it took them a long time to understand and support me and now fast forward 12 years later they do make food for me so I can go there and eat with them and they'll make some food that I used I grew up eating like um, potatoes and soy riso instead of using chorizo because they love me and and they still want to show that through food yeah i think i mean cult yeah culture and food so closely tied uh, i feel like if it's not culturally for you like i'm from australia culture we don't really have a, a food that is deemed as like australian but we do have you know meat heavy animal heavy diets uh typically so i can imagine having you know a a better half that is uh anna is from mexico i can see how important all of those things that you were mentioning so like i can see the 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 rejection of the food being very offensive to the family they you know they they take pride in what they prepare and it it brings everyone together 
It's almost a centerpiece. So I suppose my question is, having experienced all of that, what? because this still happens today, without a doubt, what would be your tips to people that are in the same position right now? I think to have grace and patience and to understand that it's been a journey for for yourself and you've had a lot of time to go through and understand why you're doing it and why it's important to you but other people have not maybe have never even heard of veganism so you have to be patient with them and not really be forceful i've found that when i'm forceful it makes people very defensive but when i say um look i brought this dish to share with for the family and it happens to be vegan will you please try it they're much more receptive and i also make it food that's familiar to my family so that i introduce them to the soy riso and and potatoes dish and now they make it all the time for me so what what could have gone wrong was if i were to say look meat is murder i don't want to participate in this Uh, but instead I brought food to share with them and show my love for them and um, over over our meal maybe talk about it's healthier for you. Uh, there were no animals killed and it's just an easier message to digest, literally. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, I think that's definitely really good advice for, uh, especially for new new vegans i feel like oh, yeah. everyone's been there we're all we've all been there and that's when we're at super our super vegan yeah we're at our like we're gonna change the world today kind of phase yeah so yeah all really good information uh for those guys also uh transitioning so your own transition away from animal foods was it an overnight thing <laughs> or was this not. a progression it was very much a progression and it was Again, something that I had to show myself patience and grace because if I had decided to do it 100% and failed or failed, uh, I I used air quotes for those who are listening on podcast, uh, because I think that progress is better than perfection. And if I'm moving forward, even if I step back, if I continue moving forward after that, it's a win for animals, it's a win for our health, it's a win for the environment. And I, I think that sometimes for some people, making that drastic change overnight is overwhelming. And then when you don't maybe meet your own um, standards, it can make you feel like, oh, I tried it, don't wanna do this. And so have that patience, have that grace and continue to move forward because vegan really is just a word. It's all about what you do and how you live your life. And if you're living your life with the best intentions and really trying, then that's a positive. Totally. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Now, I feel like, you know, even even talking about that aspect of your life, you sound like a teacher you know you're able to teach your loved ones about the life you've chosen about the food you eat why you eat it and i feel like that's translated really 
well into into your life now with the uh, plant based on a budget, the cookbooks, YouTube, Instagram, whatever it might be. So, out of community college, how did things start to shape for you then? So, you know, you're a, a relatively new vegan. You're getting involved. You're, you're building a little bit of a community here in Sacramento as well. How did things start to shape for you? And when was the moment that you were like, "All right, I think I can, I can make a business out of this, or I can take this online to educate a wider audience." Oh, that's a lot. So we'll start with the very first part of that, which was I'm vegetarian, very close to vegan. I meet these people. I'm inspired. How do I cook vegan food? What is vegan food? I had never had kale. I had never had butternut squash. I had never had all these foods that I'd never heard of quinoa ever. And these are staples in a plant-based diet that I just didn't know existed. And Uh, What I did was I started checking cookbooks out from the library and trying them with my friends, my friends who were also newly vegan, and we would save money by food sharing. I would have eight people over, six people over, and everybody would bring a few ingredients, and together we would make big batches of food that we can take home, and that helped to save money. And it also learned that we also learned how to swap ingredients out based on what was expensive so if kale was really expensive we could use spinach and playing with your food like that and learning the different spice blends that go together was really critical in helping me stay vegan so i highly recommend to play with food check out cookbooks Uh, at the time there were not a lot of great online resources but now there are so many free blogs that offer fantastic recipes for whatever diet you choose so soy free gluten free all of the things and and so from there after learning how to cook a little bit i also at the same time was learning about animal activism and animal ethics and took my first job in my early 20s at animal place farmed animal sanctuary where i got firsthand experience saving animals from factory farms and from small farms even that had terrible conditions and learning about the suffering that that industry has caused long term even far after you've done the rescuing and that made me so passionate and that actually took me to that place where you just were talking about where I was like the change needs to happen right now animals are suffering and I think that too also came with a little bit of self-sacrifice. I was overworking. I was driving an hour and a half each way to work, making hardly any money and experiencing this really traumatic stuff. And at some point it was a little bit too much. So I took a step back. I took a position with a vegan advocacy organization where I started food blogging. I had already started Plant Based on a Budget as a passion project, um, mostly because my family was suffering from diet-related health issues pretty severely with every every diet-related health issue you can name. Type 2 diabetes, heart disease, heart attack, death, gout, uh, and that was a form of activism for me. So Plant Based on a Budget started as a form of activism. And yeah, it's just been... A wild ride since so it wasn't something that happened all overnight for me it was a, it still is this really long process and I'm still 
constantly looking for ways to be more effective as an advocate for veganism and that has gone from protesting to leafleting to farmed animal rescue I've tried everything and I've I'm finally getting into my zone of what I feel is the most meaningful totally food is activism Yes, and I truly believe that. I've heard, I was reading something and someone was like, if you want to get into slacktivism, you can start a food blog. And I was like, actually, I I feel the most, I feel like I've done the best for animals by starting plant-based on a budget. So if anyone is interested in, in starting a vegan food blog, I feel like there's always something to talk about. There are always recipes to develop. And even though it may seem like a crowded space, you may, your personality may reach someone you, that I may not reach or that Michelle may not reach. So there's just room for, there's room for everybody. Yeah, it's so true. I think that firstly, I wouldn't mind just going a little bit into uh, the family situation with, with some health problems. I know, I think it was your aunt that was um, suffering from type 2 diabetes mm-hmm. and amputations. So from a young age, what kind of effect does that have on you? Seeing, you know, loved ones, um, you know, becoming ill from, from lifestyle issues that, that you know that could be prevented. Well, the problem is, is that you don't know that it can be prevented. It's just, it turns into a way of life for a lot of people where you believe that because of the amount of money that you have that you're sentenced to a poor health and that the cheapest options are fast food or processed food and you can only shop at this grocery store which may not have the best uh, produce options and even if they do have produce options you don't even know how to prepare them so there's a big education component that is lacking in certain underserved communities and 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 that was what it was like in mine so now knowing what I know about what happened to my aunt, she had uh, first her toe amputated, then her foot amputated, and then it ultimately claimed her life. And and I think to myself, what if the doctor told her more? What if what, what if they said stop drinking soda? She was a soda addict. She she had to have soda, and she ate a lot of fast food. So what if the doctor really stressed this could claim your life if you don't make. an immediate change yesterday I'd like to think that her life would be different and I don't know because I was so young but I just think that there's this huge piece of of education that's not being given to people who are who are suffering with these issues and I remember my uncle he had a heart attack he was 40 years old that's how old my husband is, 40 years old. He had a heart attack and I went to visit him and he said, you know, I'm going to make some lifestyle changes when I, when I barbecue, I'm going to use healthier marinades. And when it's like when he was barbecuing his steak, he's just going to use some healthier marinades. That's his lifestyle change. And that's not good enough. You need to not eat the steak. <laughs> that is a, that is going to kill you. And so at that time, I was already, I believe I was already a, a vegan. And, but it, it's just, it wasn't the right time. We were in the hospital. I couldn't be like, hey, don't eat steak. I, I don't know. 
I don't know what the right thing to do is in that moment. Um, those are things that I even now, much later, I'm still trying to figure out how to be compassionate to someone who is suffering and then also provide them with education. It's a it's a fine line because you don't want to be insensitive to their suffering. You don't want to be in, insensitive to their struggle because even though I have plant-based on a budget, I do realize that these these issues are very real. People have so much to deal with in life that is hard that this could be a tipping point for them if I like put one more thing on them to, to, to have to think about. And so it's, it's just a very fine balance. And I'm getting better and better as I have more exposure to people uh, through plant-based on a budget who share their stories with me of of um someone just emailed me who has is living on a, her husband's disability check and takes care of him he's an amputee and then they have three kids and they only live on his check and so these these struggles are very real and I never want to minimize them by saying oh yeah it's so easy to be vegan um just because there there are a lot a lot of life complications that make it a little bit challenging yeah I mean Firstly, giving empathy to to the people you're hearing from and trying to understand their situation, although mm-hmm. we're not experiencing ourselves, is super important. And the, the fine line that you're talking about is so true. I mean, these are sensitive, sensitive issues. It's, I suppose, it can just be frustrating if that person isn't getting the information from someone like their doctor, like a trusted professional. I feel like... When it comes from someone like that isn't a doctor, you know, uh, a photographer or a blogger that just happens to know a lot about plant-based nutrition, it's like, well, what does this person know? You know, they're not wearing a white coat. They don't have a stethoscope around their neck. Um, but these situations are life-threatening. And it would be nice if, uh, you know, the, the doctors of the world were able to prescribe more lifestyle medicine to to see that change um for now i suppose it's up to people like you and i to either direct them to a doctor or or tread that line and just be sensitive to those issues and and try and bring about that you know food lifestyle change in a in a way that is sensitive to their situation and that brings me to my next question with plant-based on a budget veganism is often seen as this you know elitist thing where oh it's expensive you know i whole foods is crazy expensive whole paycheck i i think is a common a a, a common saying here in america and i can totally see where people are coming from a lot of the packaged foods that are happen to be vegan um, are really expensive and they don't go very far either they're not getting uh, they're not getting you through a lot of meals during the week. So plant-based on a budget is all about being under $30 for the week and preparing meals in under 30 minutes. I mean, I think this is something I need to get into. It's, <laughs> it's, an, awesome, it's an awesome book. And I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, I suppose the inspiration, you've, you've, you've told us uh, a lot about it, but some inspiration for the book, why you wanted to start it. Uh, and then ways in which people can go out into the world, in reality, in real life, and say, okay, I can empower myself 
to make these changes and I don't have to spend an arm and a leg to, to make this happen in my life. Well, the book came out of my heart and my brain. Like I, I've lived with it for so long. I've, I've studied cookbooks. I've studied how to find the healthiest, cheapest foods available. And um, I guess it all started and why I went from recipes to meal planning was because on Plant Based on a Budget, the way it started was I had my friends and myself put recipes on the website that were cheap, but people still had a hard time. It wasn't enough of a guide for someone stepping into plant-based and didn't know how to put a meal together. So they were buying maybe a lot of, they were picking out five recipes for the week and they just didn't go well together financially. Uh, Maybe they all required different ingredients. And so what I did was I created the plant-based on a budget free meal plans that still live there. And I had a couple other people involved as well. A couple, I did the individual, there was a couple and then there was for a a family of four. And uh, I showed how to eat for $25 a week and told exactly what to buy from the grocery store. And those became insanely, insanely popular. Hundreds and thousands and thousands of people looked at them and um, they were featured in What the Health. And then I teamed up with Michelle because I wanted to upgrade them. I wanted to make it so that there were, it was a higher quality, a higher quality resource. These were like cell phone photos. This is what I eat. And they're just kind of ugly. (laughs) So I teamed up with Michelle and we created this, a very similar resource that was much higher quality. It had a printable grocery shopping list. It showed where to shop so that your time is used most efficiently in the grocery store. So instead of walking back here and then walking back there and then walking back there, when you're in the produce aisle, get all these things. When you're in the bulk section, get all these things because time is also extremely valuable and we care about that. Then we had a recipe photo for every recipe, which people eat with their eyes. We want to make it appealing and We want them to salivate when we see these recipes. So that was really important. And then to shop and to do the work for them, we literally had tears coming out of our eyes planning these recipes. Uh, It's very hard to shop when you're on a budget of $25 and have three full meals every day. It's $1.20 per meal and it's a lot of effort. So we understand why that's a challenge for some people. But this resource led me to understanding what it's like for people with two jobs and three kids or single parents. And I'm glad that it's out in the world. And that then led me to plant based on a budget, the book that not only offered recipes and meal planning, but it offered lifestyle information. So how can you save more time? How can you spend less time in the kitchen and more time with your family if you have limited time how can you save more money and that's what i wanted to include in plant based on a budget the book i learned from recipe cookbooks how to cook and so i knew what i wanted i knew that i wrote little tips i mentioned that i would swap out ingredients all the time and so i wanted these recipes to be customizable based on what was available where you live 
what your family's preferences were. And so I included my tips. I included optional ingredients so that if you have very little money, you can know that you have a pretty solid recipe, but if you have extra money, you can make it even better with these optional ingredients. And I talk about where to put those in. Every recipe has a photo and I, I try to infuse a lot of myself because I want to be I want to be their friend. I want to be a resource because I had that in the cookbooks I really loved when I became plant-based. I loved Colleen Patrick Goudreau. I loved um, Issa Moskowitz. And those people I still feel like I'm connected to because they guided me into plant-based eating when I had no friends who were plant-based. I had very few friends. And... Um, and yeah, so I wanted to offer that to whoever was buying my cookbook as well. Awesome. It's a beautiful book. It Thank really you. is. And all of the things that you've mentioned, it truly is a guide, mm-hmm. isn't it? It It is a guide not only in the kitchen, but as you said, like being a vi- efficient in the grocery store. Like as an example, we went to one this morning and we weren't familiar with the layout and we found ourselves just going you know, yeah. back and forth. And I said, well, at least we're getting our steps up like for the day because yep. <laughs> it, it was that kind of feeling. We didn't know where everything was, a little bit frustrating. But when you, you know, once you get used to your grocery store and you make it an efficient experience, you're in and out. Uh, and the second thing is when you've got a plan and you know what you're going to get, you don't have that kind of the wandering eyes where you're like oh yep impulse purchases exactly exactly impulse purchases where you're going down the you know the novelty ice cream aisle and you're like oh gonna get a tub of so delicious or the beyond burger or whatever delicious but they're more expensive not necessarily the healthiest foods that you can have on a plant-based diet either so i feel like it, it keeps you on track which is super important um I think regardless, if, if you're on a budget or not, um, it, it keeps you on track. It gets you in and it, and it gets you out and it gets you away from uh, the impulse purchasing. And lastly, another thing Anna and I were talking about the other day was the difference. Having traveled between countries the last nine months, uh, the difference of available produce, say between Mexico and America, the availability in produce is different. Uh, in, in Mexico, you can't go into a, a place like Trader Joe's or Whole Foods where you have a wall full of, you know, colorful, incredible, diverse produce. So to, to give them that space where they can be like, okay, even if we don't have the diversity here, I can still go into my grocery store uh, or my local like frutería, whatever it might be, and I can say, this is going to be a good sub. I can write it down in my recipe book and next time I go back, I know exactly what I need to buy. So I I think you've empowered people in a really cool way. Thank you. Uh, It really means a lot to me because that I feel like there are some recipe cookbooks that I've, I've looked into that required a lot of, of ingredients. And that's actually one thing that we got in a little bit of a, the only disagreement I had with my publisher was um, let's see, there is a, any recipe, I wanted to make sure that the optional ingredients were later. And instead of 
saying optional. So instead of one long ingredient list with some of them saying optional, I don't want someone to open it and be like, oh, that's just too many ingredients. Uh, I want people to feel like it's not a lot of ingredients and then they can do, they can add it in because they have extra money or they have it on hand. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to empower people. Yeah, you've done an amazing job. What is the, I suppose the biggest thing going into the grocery store and and trying to be cheap on a plant-based budget, is it steering more towards the bulk items rather than, you know, packaged items? What's the, the number one thing? The number one thing is meal planning, Uh, knowing what you're going to buy, shopping with intention, making sure that you have already assessed what you have in your own kitchen and going from there rather than being like, boop, this is what I'm going to make. Instead, say, okay, I know I have spinach. I know I have tofu. What calls for spinach and tofu? Oh, I see that this... um, tofu marinara has both of those things now i only need the pasta the sauce and some garlic and onion so that's the best way to shop buying as few ingredients as you need because you have you're using what you have and then again going in shopping with intention making sure that you're laser focused and there are some ways to get around those impulse impulsive purchases too like uh i've surveyed people on plant-based on a budget and the most commonly shopped grocery store is Walmart. Walmart offers um, a curbside grocery pickup for free if you spend $35. So all you have to do is go online, pick out your groceries, and if you spend $35, all you have to do is just drive up and pick up your groceries. You don't have to see all the other stuff. You don't have to go down every aisle and use your time. You just pick up your groceries and it's everything that you wanted. So there are some, and and they're not the only place that does it, but they're the only, I believe that they're the only place that's free. And never go hungry. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That's always a dangerous one for me. Especially if you're going to a place that has like a food bar. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure Walmart have food bars now, uh, Whole Foods, wherever. And and that's just like, yeah, that's a no-no. Don't don't ever go grocery shopping hungry. Yes. it, It never works out well. Well, I think that kind of segues well into the meal plans, plantbasedmealplans.com. If, if that is the most important thing, is that something you very intentionally did? You realized it was the most important thing and therefore yes. you've created this resource? Yes. And that, again, that, that's done with Michelle Kane. And we both were able to bring something very special. She brought a user-friendly interface. So the meal plan whatever it was, it needed to be something that anybody could pick up, regardless of whether or not that they, whether or not they were a chef, they could pick it up and use it and be like, oh, this makes sense. If we created this elaborate thing that nobody could use, it would be ineffective. And then I brought the budget aspect where I had studied food prices. I, I, anywhere I go, whether it's in Mexico or in, or middle of the country the united states i try to look at their grocery prices to make sure that i'm going to be offering something that's really universal i don't want someone who lives in mexico for example to not be able to use my product and and so that's what we offered in plant-based on a budget meal plans was uh ingredients or recipes that were going to be universally inexpensive and user-friendly with high quality pictures 
we knew that that combination would be the most helpful and it would be more than just recipes it would be how to do that and how to make it a lifestyle for you and your family beautiful yeah it's it's so friendly to to real life experiences that's what i love about it it's it's really applicable and you can use it to your to your to your benefit uh images is something that is a huge feature uh, across that website, the meal plan website, a huge feature in your cookbook. I would love to hear a little bit about how that went down. Choosing to do, you know, a photo for every recipe. I think it's a great idea. I think more restaurants should apply um, that same ideology because we do eat with our eyes first. We're more likely to choose the menu item, I'm sure, that has the photo because you get a little bit of a representation of, of what you're expecting. How did the photos go down for plan based on a budget? How did that all work out? Well, I worked with a photographer named Jenny Love. She is fantastic based out of San Francisco now. And she is the biggest trooper. She came to Sacramento at the time she was living in Denver. So she came from Denver, drove her car from Denver with all of her photography equipment. And in five days, we cooked, styled, photographed, and pretty much edited the 100 photo recipes, recipe photos in, in my cookbook. And all while listening to like the worst music. I made her listen to terrible music that was making me pumped. I had just, well, she's not terrible, but like I had just gone to the Taylor Swift concert. And so I was on repeat listening to Taylor Swift. So I felt so bad for her because that's pretty much what we listened to. Um, <laughs> that and, and then also terrible music. Uh, so yeah, she did a fantastic job and I... I cannot believe I still am a little bit traumatized <laughs> a couple like a year later of, of cooking 100 recipes in my little kitchen in my apartment. Yeah, it sounds like a big task. I mean, the way I'm looking at it is, A, I wish, you, I, wish I had been there because I'm sure there would have been a ton of leftovers. Oh, yeah. We had people, as many people as we could, we called them up and we're like, hey, bring your Tupperware. We can't fit all this food in our refrigerator come through with your kids and your mom and your dad and everybody bring Tupperware. I would have been there in a heartbeat. That Yeah, <laughs> would have been a, a good opportunity. Um, well, I bet you're stoked with the outcome. I mean, it sounds like a very difficult task. It sounds like an around the clock kind of thing. Yes. Uh, the book in general is the way I explained it. I did a, a YouTube video that when I, when I opened my book, box they sent me a book box of books when I first when it first came out and I did a YouTube video of the unboxing and the way I explained it was I'm not going to have kids and something that I see when people hold their child for the first time is this sense of pride like I made you and that's how I felt when I unboxed my book and opened it up I I made this, I, I brought this into the world and it's so beautiful. I can't imagine anything else more beautiful. And so that's that's the, the sense of pride I had and and I'm just really excited about about it. Beautiful stuff, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, it's it's an amazing product. I honestly, if there's anyone out there that 
uh, knows someone that this would be the perfect gift for. I mean, it's an amazing purchase. We'll be getting it for, we're going to move into an apartment. We're going to, you know, wrap up the van life for a bit uh, soon. So I think this is absolutely a book that we need in our kitchen. It's oh, I'll definitely be sending you one. It's an epic one. It really is a fantastic resource. From the book, you must have, and being, you know, a foodie, you're, you're surrounded by food a lot of the time. It's, it's your life now. What are your favorite plant-based ingredients to cook with? I eat a lot of rice and beans. I know it's so boring, but they're so versatile. I make a, a, a fried rice that's more Asian. I can do um, like a Mexican style rice. I can make um, like Indian spices and make it Indian rice. There's so many things you could do with rice and beans. Uh, so I do eat a lot of rice and beans, but something that I tend to have on a weekly basis is a soup because that's a way for me to clean out my refrigerator and dump everything in there that's about to expire and uh and also you can change up the flavors so much and do a cold soup or a hot soup or a spicy soup or um any any culture cultural soup that you want it's very versatile and um nutritious and delicious yeah, I mean, I think beans and rice are awesome. If you add a bit of salsa, a bit of guac, yeah, you've got yourself a delicious meal. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go I, ahead. I also wanted to clarify something because this is something that I hear about myself all the time and I'm like, oh, that's funny because I don't feel that way. Uh, I have fallen into a foodie category by accident, but it's not that I'm so like... I'm passionate about food sharing. I love sharing food, uh, but it's not like I need to go to the best restaurants and like try it and like pair it and smell it and like have this whole experience. Uh, and so I don't, when I think of foodie, that's what I think of. I think of food as a means to an end. I want it in my mouth and in my belly. And so I know I have to make it. <laughs> and it's also the way to save the most money. So I tend to cook myself. We eat most of our food at home because it's cheaper. And so that's that's how I fell into the foodie lifestyle accidentally. But it's not that I feel like, oh, food. Gotcha. No, understandable. <laughs> Completely understandable. One thing that I did see is you're a bit of a, a burrito Oh, yeah. I do aficionado. like burritos. Yeah, burritos and tacos. Um, mostly like... If I'm doing tacos, I like them mostly like open-faced um, corn tortillas, um, maybe on the flame for a little bit on each side uh, with any toppings that you'd like, lentils or beans or um, soy riso or you name it. I love it. Uh, and then burritos. Being here in California, I just, it's the easiest thing for me to go eat. And so now when I travel other places, I travel pretty much weekly right now for a book tour. I've been out since, I've been out for kind of a long time and I can't even go eat burritos anywhere else. It's just not good. Unless I'm in Texas or Arizona or Mexico or here or LA, I don't really want to eat burritos and like Boston, for example. Right. I'm not yeah. Trying to I go mean, eat no, no, I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, 
the only place I can think of getting a burrito in Boston is Chipotle. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, don't get me started. My husband is like, that's a, it says authentic Mexican cuisine. And I was like, oh my gosh, you cannot be serious. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite burrito place in Sacramento? I do. Uh, I really like Maya's uh, Taqueria. It's down on Broadway. So if anyone is familiar, it's really good. Okay. That's Maya's. How do you spell that? M-A-Y-A-S. Okay. And they all, lately when I've been going there though, I eat the potato tacos. Okay. Yeah. They have potato tacos that are really good. Not healthy. They're very fried. Yeah. But, and I just get no cheese and no sour cream. And they're really good. So it comes with like a salsa and avocado and potatoes. All the good stuff. I mean, yep. yeah, we yeah. we were in Mexico for a little while. So our, and I mean, Anna is Mexican. So, but for, <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were just there recently and you become, you become so used to getting like a kilo of tortillas for like less than a dollar and they're fresh, warm, delicious. And then you get, you cross the border and you're like, oh yeah, it's just not the same. It's mm-hmm. not the same. So finding a good Mexican restaurant is is something that we need to do because yeah, we love we love the cuisine and it it lends itself really well to to plant based eating. It's so easy to to make switches even if it's not a, a vegan restaurant. Yes, uh, if anyone is not wanting Mexican food and they're in Sacramento, I highly recommend, especially if you're coming for lunchtime uh, between. Monday through Friday, there's this restaurant called Anna's Vegan Cafe. It's the cheapest restaurant in Sacramento. Their lunch special, I think it's five bucks for um, an entree, rice, soup, and a spring roll. Five dollars. I'm getting hungry. And they're really, really nice. It's a married couple named a restaurant after their daughter. And it's just so much food. We had, actually, we had a rehearsal dinner right here at Michelle's house and we served down at vegan cafe oh really great we might have to check that out highly recommend yeah we're only here for the day so i think uh that's Today's our opportunity day. that's Today's the window so getting close to wrapping things up um what we do with with anyone who's involved in food so whether a recipe developer chef uh, blogger whatever whatever that person might be we always ask them and we did refer to spices and how important they are earlier we alluded to that I'd love to hear your five favorite spices. We call them the Spice Girls. <laughs> um, do you know? Uh, do you know from my bowl, Caitlin Shoemaker? <laughs> so that was the first time it came up, and since then, I've tried to implement it into each conversation uh, where you know we're talking about food. So, is there a top five most regularly used spices in your cabinet? Hands down, number one, cumin by far like everyone who has my recipes it's like a joke in on the plant-based on a budget support group they're like oh yeah cumin tony loves cumin everything has cumin so definitely that uh turmeric i've been actually michelle introduced me to turmeric lattes i've been trying to um incorporate turmeric in my diet because of dr gregor and he says i need my turmeric so that's it away and with that all i've been doing is um a frozen banana, some plant-based milk, and a little bit of turmeric, and black pepper. That is fantastic. Uh, I use oregano a lot. 
oregano is good for uh, helping me stay healthy and not sick, like not getting sick as often as I travel. I, I feel like it helps boost my immune system. Uh, black pepper. I use black pepper a lot. And then also red chili flakes. Beautiful. Yeah. All super tasty. <laughs> yeah. Do you I, hear some obscure ones? The the recently we spoke to uh, a guy named Brian. He's in uh, he's in San Francisco, and he said white pepper. Hmm. I've never used it personally. Yeah, but it, it definitely piqued my interest. He's um he said it's not as spicy. Oh, but I want it to be spicy. Yeah, well, I'm gonna have to test this out and see what flavor it okay. brings. I, we love black pepper, like. We use it on a everything. lot of that, pretty much everything. Anything we're cooking, you black pepper. Black goes pepper on. with your chocolate chip <laughs> cookies over here. I might bypass that one. Um, yeah, I think last question, just because you you brought it up there. How do you manage um, being in a relationship and traveling so much with your book? How is that? Uh, how have those two things um, been juggled? I suppose in your life. Oh, well, you're asking me at a time where I'm feeling a little bit strapped. I had this, I've had a really tough, beautiful and exciting, but also exhausting year. I got married this year. Um, Paul travels a lot as well. He's actually traveling right now. And then the week after my wedding is when I started my book tour. I planned my my wedding around my book tour. (laughs) So that's how important my book is. It's more important than getting married. It's more important than all the things. My book is my baby and I... I planned everything around my book. So I committed to a year of weekly travel and that's a lot. And then that, that actually goes into the next year for Michelle and I, Michelle and I are launching a book next year. So that's two years of, of travel. Uh, and it has been really hard only because of the other life things that happen. Uh, I miss my friends. I miss my husband. I miss my family. And I didn't realize Actually, I'm curious to know how you, how you guys feel because when I hear of other people traveling now, I'm like, oh, you travel by choice? Oh my gosh, tell, tell me about what that's like. Uh, because it's just when people, when, I think when people hear about my travel, like, oh, it's so cool, you get to travel for work. But I literally last week flew to DC, did my thing and flew right back. I spent 15 hours at airports or in the air and was there for like, 20 something hours so it it's just exhausting and tiring but I feel like the exposure that I'm getting right now I've I've gotten to be on national national tv I've gotten to be on some huge morning shows and to bring plant-based eating to those platforms and to know that that I'm replacing someone who is going to be teaching people how to eat meat or cook meat uh, makes me feel really good and it makes me feel like I have access to the mainstream to introduce them to why plant-based is important. Yeah, I think you'll look back and you'll you'll see the like tremendously important work that you're doing and the, exactly what you just said, the reach is so important and that's something I hadn't thought about but yeah, replacing someone who would otherwise be cooking animal products and teaching a larger audience how to do the opposite in a tasty affordable way yeah i'm sure you'll look back and you'll be like it was completely worth the exhaustion the, <laughs> you know the airport delays the trips i'm, I'm sure 
Um, I think your version of travel is a little different to what we've been doing, especially recently. I think when we began the van life thing, we were moving quite quickly uh, and we didn't love it because we were, um, yeah, we were doing long days driving. Uh, so that got the better of us. Uh, we felt like we were missing out on places that we wanted to see. We couldn't, you know, uh, get to everywhere we wanted to check out. Uh, and now that we've slowed down, it's been much more enjoyable. We're, it's a bit of a shame, actually. We're really finding our rhythm now, uh, just, oh, as, yeah. just as things are, uh, are probably going to wrap up for a little bit, um, in terms of full-time travel, at least. Do you, do you intend on going back out on the road for months or more? We, we're definitely keeping the van. Um, So it's a beautiful, I mean, it's a, from the outside, it's just a regular cargo van, nothing uh, exciting, but on the inside, it's beautiful. It's, um, well, maybe I'll get a tour after this. Yeah. It's it's really cool to, to live in and it's introduced us to amazing people like yourself. We've done the podcast the whole way and yeah, life without it would be, would be so much different. We wouldn't have experienced it. So yes, there's pros and cons. Um, but ultimately this experience has been, yeah, amazing for us. And it's allowed us to do exactly what you're saying, expand our reach and interview people in different countries, uh, see our families, you know, my family are in Australia, Anna's are in Mexico. So taking this opportunity, we won't regret it. Uh, and I think that's probably the lesson that, you know, both of us will learn, uh, from, from our two versions of travel. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome that you have been able to meet so many people. I mean, just from the list of people you've named to me, I'm like, whoa, you got some very awesome people on your, on your path so far. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the things we didn't expect, but it's, it's truly been one of, if not the, you know, the best parts of the travel, just making friends along the way, um, and everyone's been so friendly and helpful introducing us to other people and yeah the chain of events we can we can trace that chain of events all the way back to the to the very first people that we interviewed in Ithaca New York on like week number one of our travels so yeah have you had people weekly so it's been weekly since we left Uh, we haven't weekly interviewed so sometimes we'll find ourselves doing chunks where we're able to kind of put them in the bank and then we can um, we can release them weekly. That's uh, nice. Especially with Anna doing the, the Spanish podcast now. It's really important for her to be able to build up a bank of people that she can uh, slowly release weekly. Uh, and then when that's coming to an end, get out there again or find more Spanish speakers, especially on the West Coast. I think there's more Spanish speakers, which is, uh, which is helpful. But that's, uh, that's a new project. Uh, we're about three months into that. So yeah, we're just, you know, we're navigating our way around this whole landscape of working for ourselves, I suppose. That's awesome. And that's not for the faint hearted. So kudos to you for making it happen. Well, thanks for the small interview. Uh, the other way around, I feel like you flipped the tables really nicely there. That was. <laughs> I know the podcaster in me is like, tell me more about yourself. And actually, that's something I should mention. We might not be able to get into today because we are, we are cutting it fine. But you have two podcasts, if I'm correct. Uh, I started a podcast with my husband and he still runs it. But when I, it's called Business for Good Podcast. It's to make, it's businesses that make the world a better place. 
And I have grown up in the nonprofit vegan advocacy world where I felt for the longest time that nonprofit work is going to be the work that changes the world. But it wasn't until I went back to school to finish uh, and learned about business and the power of business and how you can make money and also impact the world so dramatically and so drastically. And we look at what's happening with the plant-based meats right now where it's happening so fast and nonprofits have been around forever. And I still love and respect nonprofit organizations who are doing the great uh, boots on the ground work, but this is happening so fast. And my parents are talking to their friends and for the longest time they were like, vegan what Uh, but now they're like oh yeah the impossible burger uh, beyond burger and I'm like what who are you Uh, but they've made made it possible and I can see from my own network of my own family and friends how their businesses impossible beyond and and the the rest have made such an impact Uh, so yeah that's what that podcast is and then Michelle and I have the plant powered people podcast which is uh our pride and joy we love it it's fun we talk to people who are experiencing or who have experienced obstacles with plant-based eating and they share how they overcame those obstacles because plant-based eating is not always easy sometimes life makes it challenging as I mentioned earlier maybe you're married to a meat eater maybe you your kids don't want to get on board or you work in a restaurant that serves animal products just because you take on a vegan lifestyle doesn't mean everything around you changes so we want to help those people make it an easier transition and to provide them with the resources to keep going and to feel supported and so yeah that's why we started that podcast both really cool um i listened to a little bit of the it was funny actually we found the the business for good podcast uh, last week and we saw the artwork. We thought the artwork was really cool for the show. And then we just interviewed someone on Clean Meat, which I'd already read your husband's book, Paul Shapiro. He has Clean Meat, the book. And it led us to, yeah, your podcast. I realized it was Paul and you. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. And yeah, we listened to episode of that. And then I also listened to a couple of episodes of your one with Michelle. And I, I like the platform. Thank it's, you. it's really cool. Again, it's really helpful. They're very different podcasts. One is like business. And then the other one is (laughs) the other one is very conversational and friends just talking and probably um, maybe a little informal, (laughs) but uh, both of them are very fun. Yeah. Informal. I like it when it kind of flows like that. Yeah. You feel like you're in the living room with the people having the conversation. I think that's kind of important. So yeah, I, I really do enjoy the platform and the platforms that you've created. Uh, you guys truly are, yeah, changing the game in terms of what it means for one person or a couple of people to get out into the world uh, and work for themselves. You, you work extremely hard uh, with, with other people in mind. You're helping to solve a problem And for that, we thank you for all your work. We thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure meeting you. And yeah, can't wait to get this one out to the listeners. Thank you so much for everything. Thanks, Tony. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. I had a heap of fun recording with Tony and hope you enjoyed the episode. 
She is one of the most genuinely down-to-earth people we've met along the way and is such an incredible teacher to hundreds of thousands of people from around the world. So thank you, Tony, for all of your hard work. As always, guys, please let me know what you thought of today's show by either leaving us an Instagram direct message or by telling us through reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. We really do love hearing from you and the feedback you give is much appreciated. If you'd like to catch Tony online, head to plantbasedonabudget.com, also plantbasedmealplans.com, and you'll also find her on Instagram at plantbasedonabudget and also on YouTube. Next week, we'll be chatting with the woman behind worldofvegan.com. That is Michelle Kane, Tony's business partner. Another great chat. I can't wait to share it with you all next week. Until then, keep it plant-based. Have a great week and we'll see you all then.